0: Welcome to The Collective Perspective. This is a collaborative program with friends that share an interest in the truth as it is, not simply as we wish it would be. Tonight, we conclude our conversation with the Reverend Dr. Kathy Hearn, the Community Spiritual Leader of the United Church of Religious Science, now known as the United Centers for Spiritual Living, with Isaac Connor, Joshua Boylan, Leanne Hively and Sulaco, Celine Yohemis, Ryan Redabaugh, Neil Whitelaw, Matthew Ketterman, Lupe Torres, and Carol Klotz, with music by Ryan Redabaugh. Reverend and Kathy was uh, my Reverend when I first started attending the Pacific Church of Religious Science in San Diego, and she has since that time, wow, Reverend Kathy, you've, you've you've been on quite the journey. The very class that I was finishing, that was um, that was a, a foundation class where we got to know the ins and outs of the church and the secret handshake and all that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that at that very ending of that very class, someone had asked uh, Reverend Kathy. Um, what she intended on doing with the church, and in fact, she was choosing <laughs> to step away.
1: And, oh, you were there! <laughs> and, yeah, as our
0: senior minister, and she had a lot of uh, turmoil happening in her personal life, and, and then not long after that, she became um, pretty much the representative for the entire worldwide movement. Um, but she is, uh, sh- she is someone... From whom I have always been able to, to glean a better understanding about life. One of the reasons why I think that I was so intimidated by the idea of of going to divinity school was the daunting task of being the vessel for truth for an entire community, as you have mm. as you do at all times. And uh, I'm sure there are there are things you have to do in your role, like uh, marry couples that are that are beautiful and not challenging necessarily and then there probably are are other times that where where you maybe have to do something or you have an experience with someone that perhaps drains you afterward Um, Mm -hmm. so so maybe not specifically with your travels but just in general what are some of the more challenging undertakings you've had
1: well i would say first of all that i am my own biggest challenge Uh, And then other people come up, you know, a close second um, beyond that. But um, I like to talk about spiritual community as a place where we come together and grow up all over each other. And, And so whenever a group of people get together, even though they're very spiritual people, all of their humanness comes out as well. And so there's a divine kind of friction that happens when people get together and it's all the source of, of awakening. I've learned so much more about myself out of being in uh, in groups of spiritual people uh, than I could ever have done alone. And I, I would say leading an organization, we've had some challenging things to walk through. This last 10 years has been a profound ch- time of change for our organization. We moved, we changed our name, uh, we're now going through the process of unifying with our sister organization. Mm-hmm. Um, Which All that process is almost done. We were split in 1954, so we've been bringing that back together. And that has been the challenge of um, two different cultures coming together to create a third new thing. But we've been able to walk through it, and and I think it's very, very hopeful for uh, the transformation of life on the planet. You know, that which is two can become one. And where there was lack of understanding and disconnection, there can be love and connection and the creation of something new. So, I, I can't say that any time part of my time has been without uh, some kind of challenge, but usually because it just challenged my own skills and abilities and my willingness to tell the truth and be creative and all of that.
0: May I ask you something a little bit more challenging? Sure. Okay. I
1: mean, this, this hasn't been challenging?
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, in our first, specifically in our first episode on... God the thing itself what it is and is not there was a lot of um, there was a lot of, of us describing more so what we thought it was not than what we thought it actually was and uh, and I think that that could be for a couple of reasons one is that when we're trying to to describe the indescribable or the indefinable um, perhaps it is easier to to say what it is not um, but I think there's a, there's an element of cynicism to that, where in, a, in that first episode, I think a lot of um, a lot of what was said was that was that it is not religion, and I personally feel that God is much much greater than religion, and religion at at best can be a characteristic of our personal relationship with the divine, but. Um, But I I think that there was a lot of, basically, an agreement that that God was not religion. But um, you obviously have a religious faith, and what are your thoughts on that?
1: Did you say God is not religion? Yes. Yeah, I think think religions are just attempts to understand God, you know, and live uh, in alignment with um, whatever we consider God to be. So I'm in agreement with you about that. I think that uh, as the as the Eastern religions say, they are, they are all fingers pointing to something. And right, and 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 certainly, we can become very identified with our religion so that we are that religion. Um, I am a practicing religious scientist, and I'm open to. All of the philosophies of the world. So am I answering your question Isaac? Absolutely.
0: And okay. it, it, it's interesting that uh, I also I, I mean obviously I see things similarly similarly or else I wouldn't I wouldn't have maintained my membership with with uh, this great family we have all across the world. but but um, when I come across, actually this is this is multifolded. there's when I first started going to the church, I went from being an atheist who uh, who found camaraderie with with other skeptics, and and then all of a sudden I found I found truth from uh, from a place that was actually called a church, and so I went from being in a place where the the uber religious uh, didn't quite understand where I was coming from to all of a sudden those same skeptics who did. Accept me once I started using the word God and church and became comfortable using those for what I think they're more uh, essentially the, they're the essentially true meaning of those words. Those same skeptics were, were a little bit put off. And uh, sadly, JR can't be with us tonight. He's one of our uh, resident atheists on the show. And I still very much identify with, with the, the place from which atheists come from it's just that i i personally and this is where it becomes a question i personally feel that most of the athe- atheists that i have known were it wasn't that they actually didn't believe in god they they just really don't believe in the god that's been described to them and so when we're having a conversation they're they're translating the words that i'm saying into what what they understand and what they understand is that if you say god then you must mean uh, not Jewish, not Sikh, not as you mean Christian God, and um, or you mean one of the religions out there that that has uh, monotheistic beliefs and and they think that God is this this entity that has human qualities that's very jealous, very angry, and uh, so I, what's been what's been your experience talking to people that are atheists that you have great respect for and who can hold an intelligent conversation what's been your experience with that
1: you know in in all truth I don't have experience talking to atheists I think I think I have um, so I need to have one (laughs) need to have the experience Um, I think that I have been in my in 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 my the world that I inhabit uh, so fully for so long that really I haven't had uh, any kind of long discussion with an atheist and I would be interested in that I'd be interested in doing that
0: Celine. Yes. How are you doing, darling?
2: I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. I feel like I need to catch up a little bit, so I'm just um, reading up on what what you guys are talking about as much as I can.
0: Well, Reverend Kathy, I don't know if you've noticed. There's a uh, there's a thread where we can type to one another about what's being said. Um, but Celine, if you're reading that, we have not been talking about ninjas and flowers. Just so you know.
2: I caught that mic. (laughs) Well, I suppose that this last uh, few months of life has been been interesting for me because I have been um, my my fiance's father just passed away not too long ago, and they are. Oh, it's okay. Thank you. Um, And it's been an interesting time because we spent a lot of time in the in the hospital room and watching people come in and out and, and prayer. And the only thing that I find very challenging is that, um, I was going to ask because I missed all of this. I feel as though, um, I need to ask that it looks as though this type of spirituality that you're speaking of is not monotheistic, but a more open look at, um, Love as the basis Am I correct in
1: that? Uh, well to me monotheism Means one God and, and, that, and we certainly are monotheistic in that way And, and we do talk a lot about love <laughs> um, Yeah We do talk about love as in fact uh, Ernest Holmes defines love as the self Givingness of God to creation And so when we're about love We're about the self givingness of God through us and so it's a very important um, aspect of, of science of mind. And different ministers will emphasize different things. But um, but I think love is the reason why we're here and, and um, what it's all about. Where we came from, where we're going, and what it's all about. That's what I say about love.
2: And then, and then there's no necessarily... Do you look at all of the other... Forms of religion as all the means to the same source instead of being competing. Yes,
1: we honor all paths to God. Yeah, we say all paths lead to God. Excellent. You know, and every path is valid.
2: That is my greatest challenge, I think, is dealing with um, the fundamentality. Uh, I guess it's funny to say it that way, but fundamentality that creates sort of an adversary kind of a system instead of an embracing system. And and so that's my greatest challenge. And what I would like to ask you is when coming into a profoundly religious circle, do you have any suggestions on how to create a greater openness towards all people instead of there being a sense of judgment that this person is not Christian or this person is not Living up to these things, even though you know they may be hypocrites, is there a way to open people? Do you think to this concept?
1: Um, well, first of all, I think it begins within ourselves, and and if you can go into a, a group where there are multiple religions, and if you have uh, deep respect and honoring, it may not feel exactly right to you in the sense that it doesn't necessarily jibe with your own path. But um, if if you can come from a place of respect and honoring and um, essential brightness of all paths then then you you yourself become the avenue through which um, this greater awareness takes place. So I would say start there and then uh, perhaps the words will flow forth from you that are the things to say. I would I would just acknowledge that, that the interfaith movement is really strong on the planet. Um, I've been to the Parliament of the World's Religions a couple of times and, and just beheld thousands of people coming together from different paths, different cultures, different costumes, different practices, and, and it wasn't even the content of the Parliament that was so important, it was the fact of it, that so many people were there and they came together to be with each other and to share and to, to look at the world from, from a combined and collaborative kind of place. Uh, there are scholars right now that say that we're in a second axial age. The first axial age was when um, the great religions that we know in the world came forth, and the second axial age is um, the, the, the movement away from our isolation within our particular paths and the seeking of this greater spiritual oneness. So, so what you're asking me about is actually what is happening, and I guess we each participate in it in the best way we know how.
0: WXPI 88.5, Would Independent you say, Radio Dr. for
1: Kathy, Open
3: that, that Perhaps the, the, the path to uh, becoming closer to uh, God, to our spiritual nature, uh, can be described as being becoming closer to other people if that's if that's sort of a, uh, an equivalent path a parallel path that occurs
1: I really love that idea and that certainly has been true for me you know I think that's a beautiful thing I mean if we're knowing more about God we're going to be seeing hopefully seeing more of God in each other and in the self you know it's probably God's self and then other um, it, it would be um incongruent for me to to say that I am one with God and yet I'm not doing my best to be in a place of love and alignment with my with my neighbor
3: so would you say that, that God actually the ultimate being of God and the power of God uh, actually participates in human affairs and in what goes on or is that sort of exclusively uh, Human interaction that is responsible for uh, what happens on the earth with people? Yeah, that's
1: a, that's a big question. You know, from the science of mind point of view, uh, God is a presence, a power, and intelligence. We say there's one presence, one power, one life, one mind, one love, and uh, in which we live and move and have our being. So it is in us and we are in it. And that um, the love intelligence of God is what we interact with through our thoughts and our consciousness, and actually we bring it into um, expression in our daily lives. Is there a God that stands apart from the, the world and intervenes in human affairs, you know, or visits dreadful things upon certain people? I don't think so. You know, that doesn't really fit with my cosmology or my theology. Um is there something that is greater than we are that is responsive to our thoughts and to our consciousness? Yes, I think I think there is, and we also live on a planet that is a living being that has its own cycles and the things that it <laughs> brings forth. I'm not sure that God visits earthquakes on people. I don't. Mm. I don't see that.
3: So I'm I'm wondering, uh, as far as what. Uh, what is involved in simply what in a a typical service uh, you know say does the practice of prayer, the practice of meditation uh, you know is is that part of becoming closer to to God and to our spiritual nature?
1: You know our, our Sunday celebrations in many communities have kind of come from the church model and even though we now call ourselves Centers for Spiritual Living we we are on a church model and so certainly in, in the typical Sunday service, you would, you would see those things, although our services are very joyful affairs, and they may, be, may begin quietly with meditation and prayer, but there's always music, and there's a great talk, and, you know, there are announcements, you know, and all those kinds of things, and then the kids come in at the end of the service, and we call them Sunday celebrations, because that's the energy of it.
0: Still with us?
4: I am. I am still here.
0: Since your experience um, had been with different churches growing up, how is anything that Kathy is sharing with us in contrast, perhaps, to some of the things that you you had been raised to understand, or, or is there any contrast?
4: Mm. Uh, I feel. <clears throat> I feel a lot of it is pointing to uh, a lot of what I've kind of been. Uh, discovering and and sitting with, um, most recently, uh, like I always felt there was a you know, one one right way and which which way is that right way and which religion is it and and for for a while struggling with um, determining which path is 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 the path uh, for me personally or or one that is universally the right path but. But yeah, a lot of the discussion tonight is touching on that sense of many roads to, you know, the same thing and a sense of inclusiveness amongst uh, various traditions and something I've been focusing on, like I've always approached God intellectually and I think a lot of the like my pursuit of truth or my seeking to to be in touch with something deeper for a long time has been an intellectual search and I think a lot of my frustration spiritually came through that uh, a sense of wanting to connect with something beyond the intellect and various traditions were resonating with me on various levels intellectually and I was looking for ways in which each would allow me to connect with God or truth or, you know, our our, our deeper selves on a relational level, on a a very, you know, a presence level. And eventually I stopped, like, wanting to read and discover all the intellectual, uh, you know, things about this faith or that faith and wanting to really just connect with, you know, what are these faiths pointing to because in my heart like i just had this deep sense that each tradition ultimately was trying to point to you know our core as as human beings and as spiritual beings and wanting to find communion on that level and so yeah i i would say a lot of tonight's discussion is really encouraging for me personally Um, to hear that there's, you know, folks out there uh, you know, regardless of the background who are desiring that same sense of communion and like we can, I feel like we can, you know, chat about it all night Um, but I think it's a greater thing to be able to, while we chat here, like, to also experience it and I feel like, you know bringing a group together like this with that passion and, and desire to connect with that that aspect of ourselves and with each other you know, I think the potential is greatly there and even while we are discussing uh, different facets like being able to connect with that you know while we're listening or while we're speaking I think is a especially a, a strong practice um, that while we engage in a discussion like this that at the same time we're also able to I'll uh, be in communion with each other and with that that deeper nature of mm-hmm. ourselves.
0: Mm. So well said. Reverend Kathy, uh, perhaps you could share the story about one of Ernest Holmes' final thoughts before he made his transition about all of the writings he had done. Mm-hmm. Of, um, mm-hmm. I think you know where I'm going with that.
1: Uh, so, You're yeah. talking about the law and the love? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, science of mind um, began with this focus on the creative power of thought which we call the law of mind so it was about how we think and then bring you know bring things into being and toward the end of his life Holmes said that if he had to do it again he would focus more on love rather than the law he would, he would focus more on our self-givingness to each other you know just to say it simply and I, I think that's also a very beautiful thing thanks for bringing that up Isaac
5: Mm-hmm.
0: and we're uh, I'd like to start with Reverend Kathy but then maybe go around a little bit uh, with the same question Reverend Kathy where do you where do you find yourself not intellectually um, but but in a visceral way where do you find yourself m- most connected to the divine
1: when I sit in silent meditation uh, well two places first of all when I sit in silent meditation um <clears throat> and I give thanks for my life. Uh, that is where I feel uh, the absolute oneness. And then I also find it very easy uh, to feel it when I'm out in nature in a beautiful place. You know, and I, I seek to practice the perception of oneness all the time, but it's really easy to do it in nature. And I live not too far from the ocean, so I often have that experience.
0: Mm-hmm. There's a really neat little place um, in La Jolla that I, I would... Guess that you already you know about. Only locals seem to know about it. Um, when you you park up uh, before you get down into the downtown La Jolla and Gerard Street, there's a series of steps that go right past someone's home, and then you can walk uh, around so that you're cliffside and you're actually pretty isolated, and you can see the birds as uh, they're resting on the, the cliffside. Do you know where I'm talking about?
1: Uh, down to the cove. I sure do.
0: Okay. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Great spot for that. Nice stairway. Yeah. Um, a little bit of
1: a workout to, to go up it. <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah. Ryan, since you're the one that brought up how focusing entirely on the intellect is kind of maybe missing the point of of mm-hmm. God. and So where do you find yourself in, in most communion with your God?
4: Hmm. I, I, I've always kind of felt like it was, like I've and I I've, I've spent time uh, locationally in, you know, the big city, city of New York and the quiet of Pennsylvania, and uh, for a while, like, I felt like I had to be in a quiet place to connect um, a little more easily. I've enjoyed the challenge of trying to connect with that sense uh, in the city. I, I've found it most easily able to connect uh, in, in a quiet setting for sure, in nature, um, in any space that you're able to you know get away from the world. But I was just currently reading an excerpt um, from a book uh, Osho uh, wrote. I, I, I don't know much of his work, but um, I found it interesting. He was writing about uh, the shared space of you know, the world, our our attention being directed outwards towards, you know, the world, our experiences, our perceptions, and then also, you know, our attention can be directed inwards uh, towards ourselves. And uh, he was pointing out that you know, many of us live on either one of those levels. Either we're completely immersed in uh, the, the world outside of ourselves and just all our attention and focus is uh, completely locked in on that. And then there's others who will, you know, you know, retreat to a cave and direct all their attention inward and spend their lives on that level. And so there was a real encouragement to really kind of embrace both aspects and find the sense of communion between the inner and the outer and to really live in that space as much as possible. So I've been trying to... Con- find a sense of connection uh, no matter where I am it's, it's mostly like when my consciousness remembers to be present like there's moments when I'm not even mindful about uh, being present and aware and um, in the moment and I'm completely wrapped up in my thoughts or the experience of whatever that moment is and then there's other moments when I'll I'll remember and it'll come back. Uh, it's like oh yes, like there's this awareness and the ability to be a witness to to this moment. Um, so I think it's something that I'm either mindfully trying to mindfully being present um, with God or a sense of you know that d- divine eternal moment um, anywhere or any any kind of experience. And then other times I just forget and I have to kind of eventually just wait for that next moment where the the thought comes to, to remember to to be present. So so I've been trying not to be confining that to a particular experience, but any moment really, like is is the goal and the hope and to, to be able to connect whether you are alone or in a group or In the busy city or in the woods.
5: (laughs) Mm.
0: WXPI 88.5,
5: independent radio for open minds.
0: Lupé, what's your take on that? Where do you find it?
6: I'm really happy because I feel like I keep arriving at somewhere and somewhere more peaceful each time, and it always comes to me like from all kinds of directions. You know, it used to be a lot through Eastern philosophy, seeing it in you know in nature, seeing the yin and yang in physics. I don't know. It just seems like no matter where I go, like it's it's there. You know, it's ever presently there. I feel like I keep coming into my own and I feel like I keep getting closer to something um, harmonious and and I keep becoming aware and experiencing just I don't know I mean I'm just really happy that it's it keeps revealing itself in the, and that it's a process of discovery I feel like even with the whole Occupy movement or all the movements throughout the world it's like you know this whole power struggle like it's done with the hierarchy is done with Like. They're, now it's time for, um, they're showing us a different way of existing, you know, a different way of living. It's, it's like, a, it's, you know, here's how we can do this. And it's really, really beautiful, you know, like that it's all happening at the same time. As I'm experiencing more and more harmony and more and more awareness of God, um, I feel like I'm seeing it all around me in my society. And I feel like I've been hearing it a lot in different philosophies
1: yeah you know, um I'm hearing all of that too, and I really like it <laughs> and and i I want want it to be true. Um, there's a woman whose work I get involved with here, <clears throat> excuse me in San Diego named Ellen Kaufman Dossick, and she was talking about the well, there are a couple of things that actually converge there's there's the fact that we're going we're we're at the end of a five thousand year world age. And people like Greg Braden, who have studied the polar ice caps, they say that, that the planet is showing the kinds of signs that exist at the end of a world age. And we're also supposed to be in the last 5,000 years before the 25-year cycle change, which is called the precession of the equinoxes. And this is an astronomical kind of thing, and it's where um, the plane of the ecliptic is crossed by the Earth, and that's all I can tell you about that. But that is, you know, astrologically the dawning of the age of Aquarius, which is the time of universal brotherhood and justice and and all of that. And there's lots of talk these days about the 2012 change. And, And I like to think that it isn't about the end of the physical world, but that it's about a change in consciousness. And so I like the idea... That there's a whole spiral of time and story that is a certain vibration and a certain frequency that is completing. And a whole new cycle of time at a higher vibration and a higher frequency and a higher consciousness that's coming in. And it's the consciousness of oneness. And so when I, when I say we're welcoming a new world, I really think that we are. And because I know that thought is creative, you know, this is my story and I'm sticking to it. Because I think it's time for a new world to come in. And it comes in through us. We are the place where we, all of our, all of us that are on the planet, we are the place where life is evolving itself. And um, and so our consciousness really counts. And I think it's the opportunity for each one of us to keep, to keep lifting our vibration, to keep healing the past, uh, to be letting go of victimhood, to be doing our forgiveness work, you know, to reconcile with our brother and sister, whatever it takes to keep rising up to a greater place where we're expressing more love you know and in the process of this change we do see that um, structures in society are crumbling the old way is not working anymore and so i'm i'm happy to see it go and i'm really ready to welcome in uh, what is new so, th- so this is how I, what I've shared with you is what I put together that I can hold and embrace and, and participate in. And there are many, many philosophies that speak, you know, similar but slightly different things about this time. But we all seem to be saying that something is really happening. The whole evolutionary movement that you talked about with Ken Wilbur. You know, they, all the evolutionaries acknowledge that something's moving. You know, there's something big happening. And it looks, it looks like it could be really good. So that's where I stand.
7: Well, hmm. so this is arguably this is the first time ever in history that, that all of the people right now who have lost this potential have ever existed. And what we can do with that, especially now that we're interconnected, you know, fiber optically instantaneously around the world with the majority of the people that inhabit this planet—some seven billion of us now—what can we do? It's amazing to contemplate.
1: It is. I'm
6: so glad you brought that up because that's exactly along the lines that I've been hearing it from all ac- across everything like Anadella Judith with the whole wheels of life and the chakras um, like I said, Pramahansa Yogananda with the procession and the equinox like all, everything that you're saying like it just really bringing into fruition like just a more global awareness. Kathy, do you have any suggestions of ways to
2: get into meditation, how to is there a ritual that you have that helps to get you into that deeper place
1: you know i think it it began for me um just sitting in a um a big room are, are you familiar with michael beckwith he's a speaker who's out there in the world and Michael was leading a meditation and he would put us into silence and then he would he would say periodically, if your mind has wandered to the past or the future, bring it back to the present moment. And so I understood in that moment what meditation was more about and then out of teaching a class on meditation, I actually started to um, practice in, uh, Ram Das has a book, oh, something about, is it The Journey of Awakening? I think that's what it's called. And there's some great practices in there about breathing with a candle flame, you know, and and, and I would say just from, I, I would say just sit in the silence and focus on your breath and notice when your mind starts activating and just come back to the breath because that really is what meditation is. And the breath is the thing that brings us right to the present moment. And as far as I can tell, being in the present moment is what meditation's all about. So I think it's just a practice.
3: (laughs) I believe that accepting ourselves as we are in a given moment, you know, not expecting the future to be different because the future isn't here yet. and The present moment is what it is. It's not anything else, but how it actually exists in this time just is what brings me to that place of just feeling that closeness with God and with the higher power.
7: It's interesting that you make that specific statement because, like, you know, if you, if you actually think about it, in terms of, um, like, really being present, there's no such thing as the future. The future doesn't exist. It's a mental construct only. Um, there is only now. There is only this. Same thing with the past. past is an idea locked in mind. It's a uh, you know, various images, sounds, memories, etc., cetera, um, that you can continue to mull over and go back and rehash and, oh, I would have said this or could have done that or why didn't I and beat yourself up. And all of that is just your mind basically chasing, you know, the carrot at the end of the stick and hopes that one day it's going to catch it and ultimately be happy, which it never will. And it's just not the way it works. <laughs> it's just like this right now, the recognition that there is only this, there's only now. It's the way it is, it's the way it's always going to be. I mean, until until what? Until the future. When are you going to be in the future? Whenever you get there, it'll be now. Always. It's just a, it's an interesting concept. It's sort of a, you know, um, a cone in that it it, it it can help you stop your mind from thinking because that's really what stands in the way of you and being present and being in a state of mindful meditation all the time, regardless of mm-hmm. what you're doing. You don't have to mm-hmm. sit in a room silently. You can be right. meditative. While you're engaged in dialogue with somebody, while you're doing any number of activities, as long as you're fully present in what it is that you're doing, washing your hands mm-hmm. is an act of meditation mm-hmm. if you're actually present mm-hmm. to the sensation of the water mm-hmm. and what's going on. So it's. Um, I think that's one of the things when I started my meditation practice that stood in my way was, you know, I had all these images of you know Buddha sitting in lotus, you know, and you know fingers so just so and. And so that's the only way that you can actually meditate, and that's just by its nature supposed to, to elicit some sort of, you know, divine mystical experience. It's not. I mean, <laughs> it, it, it's just a way. It's, it's a way that somebody did. It doesn't mean that you have to do it. The point is, are you here now? Are you mm-hmm. present? Are mm-hmm. you fully... Mm-hmm. in? Because beyond that, there's really nothing that anybody can tell you. You know, mm-hmm. it, it of itself is, is mind-blowing enough in the literal sense. Mm-hmm. -hmm. That was
3: just my sorry. I feel it's absolutely true that what we do in the present moment can absolutely have an effect on the future. I believe that
2: those who are more conscious and live a life that is in the pursuit of their own personal truth, resonate vibrations and light that can be a beacon for others. What would you advise to others on how to make their lights brighter? How would you advise that we continue being a beacon for others in the hopes that the consciousness of the world continues to rise?
1: Hmm. Um, a lovely question. you know, I think um, the, the place I always look is within first and I think we have to do our own our own personal healing to um, as I said before, move, move beyond the woundedness of the past to understand you know how we've been conditioned into certain ways of being and um, do the, do the work of, of letting go of anything that inhibits us from our our full and joyful and whole self-expression. I personally believe that we are innately whole, but we cover that over with all kinds of um, false beliefs and things that we just get into as we we grow and move along the path. But I do think that there's an incredible opportunity to become free and to be uh, more and more fully who we truly are. And then to offer that whole being uh, in service to others, you know, in in relationship, in creative businesses, in collaboration, you know, in bringing new works in the world. So I would say start within, clear things up, and then start giving yourself fully to life.
2: I just want to say thank you so much. I'm so glad that you're with us today. I've thoroughly enjoyed this conversation, and I absolutely love the way that, that your mind works, the way that you have processed things I I love being in the presence of like-minded people and tonight was truly an honor, thank you
1: mm. Thanks so much Leanne and thanks to all of you, I, I have enjoyed this, thank you so much Isaac for asking me to meet your friends
0: mm. Yeah, thank you for thank accepting I right. love you Yeah, I love you, Reverend Kathy. Thank you so much. I
1: love you, too. (laughs) I hope we meet in in the flesh soon.
0: (laughs) Yes. All right. (laughs) Yeah, I concur with with, with that. Um, Anyone else that would like to continue talking a little bit afterward um, can please stick around. Uh, I I think there's just a couple things I'd like to ask of you guys. Um, But otherwise, I want to bid a good evening to Kathy.
1: Okay. So does that mean I can sign off now? Yes. (laughs) <laughs> all right. Blessings to Thank all of you. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bless
0: you. WXPI 88.5, independent radio for a open spiritual
3: minds. path that you're following, certainly being in a group with people that perhaps think the way you do and you sense that they have something that you might like to get to whatever level or state of mind that they happen to have. I've been around people who have had just incredible inner peace with themselves. I mean that that was obvious from just being around them. And it was something that it's like, I'd like to know what these people do, you know, to sort of radiate that sense of being okay with themselves, with their lives and with their higher power as they understand them. And in that sense I, I think that, that definitely associating with, with other people and understanding how they do it, whatever it is that they do and how they got to that spiritual place that they are is is certainly worth pursuing
8: yeah I, I, um, I'll give you a really quick example like why we use the word G-O-D like there was a time at which it did not exist and then there was a time at which it did exist and in those present moments <laughs> you know that, that lapse of present moments, what happened in there that all of a sudden gave us the notion of what the name of this being was, and uh and, and I know there's reason to hear what I'm saying and say, well I think that's being a little uh trivial or or a little bit um a little bit off to the side of what's important. But I think not because I think it could be a symbol of a much greater problem. If if I'm understanding this correctly if we're wrong on the name of the being and we don't mind that, then what's to say we're not wrong on the um, intention and behavior and everything else? In other words, if I feel like I have an intuition in a chemistry lab and I start mixing things and all of a sudden it blows up, then it turns out that I really didn't have an intuition, but I thought that I did. So, what I'm trying to do is challenge everybody and say, wait a second, <laughs> you know, what? What do we have? what reason do we have behind us to say, "Oh yeah, I should trust myself on this one because uh this 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 logic is sound, this is reasonable. this is why you know I'm saying like how did we even come up with a name i'm not in I'm not in complete disagreement or maybe not even in in a great portion of disagreement with with that name g o d but I'm just questioning, does anybody question this stuff matthew uh
7: not that I just want to answer your question by um, you know uh, directing your attention to one particular individual, but um, I don't know how familiar you are with uh, Joseph Campbell and the Power of Myth and um, The Hero with a Thousand Faces, um, but uh, he's a fantastic, fantastic writer and uh, really addresses and goes into looking at uh, I think what is at the heart of the question, which is how did myths arise in the various cultures, going back, uh, you know, into ancient times and people asking these questions, um, uh, coming up with the myths that they have, um, you know, as a tribal society, etc. cetera, the, and literally tracing it out to, you know, modern-day religions and, and up until his death, <coughs> excuse me, uh, putting it all together in a way that um, he's really asking uh, that question and spent the majority of his life doing so. Um, studying our myths, studying the similarities, and and how they uh, how they came to be, like what what prompted them, and he really gets into like the psyche of, of uh, societies and you know the uh, collective uh, thought process that they have historically, how they came about defining and and, and saying that this is what this is what pr- happened to creation, this is what God is, this is what You know, this is how we explain evil, et cetera. And instead of saying that um, this is the truth, it's just a a pretty comprehensive view of a bunch of different um, traditions that are brought together that, you know, reading between the lines and and looking at them, you can kind of get a better understanding of how human beings have evolved uh, God as an idea. So if you're not familiar with them, I I highly recommend, power of myth to start.
9: I know and I've seen it happen with students. A wonderful way of teaching we had at Sarah Lawrence where I taught for 38 years, Uh, I'd have an individual conference with every one of my students at least once a fortnight for half an hour or so. And there you're talking on about the things that students ought to be reading, and suddenly you hit on something that the student really responds to. You can see the eyes open, the complexion changes, A uh, life possibility has opened there. And all you can say to uh, yourself is, I hope this child hangs on to that, you know. They may or may not, but when they do, they've found a life right there in the room with you.
7: How would you advise somebody to tap that spring
8: of eternal life, that joy that is right there?
9: Well, we're having experiences all the time which uh, uh, may, on occasion, render some sense of this, a little intuition of where your joy is. Grab it. No one can tell you what it's going to be. I mean, you've got to learn to recognize your own depths. Do you
0: ever have this sense when you're following your bliss, as I have at moments, of being
9: helped by hidden hands? all the time it, it, it's miraculous i even have a superstition that has grown on me as the result of invisible hands coming all the time namely that if you do follow your bliss you put yourself on a kind of track that has been there all the while waiting for you and uh, and the life that you ought to be living is the one you're living and uh, when well, you can see it you, you begin to deal with people who are in the field of your bliss, and they open doors to you. I say, follow your bliss and don't be afraid, and doors will open where you didn't know they were going to be.
7: Do you ever have sympathy for the man who has no
9: invisible means of support? Who has no invisible means? Yes, he's the one that evokes compassion, you know, the poor chap. and. And to see him stumbling around when uh, oh, the water of immortal life is right there is—it uh, is, uh, really it, it evokes one's pity. Right there? Hmm? Right there? You yes. believe that? Yes. The waters of eternal life? Right there. Where? Wherever you are. If you're following your bliss, I mean, you're—you're you're having that joy, that that uh, refreshment, that life all the time.
8: Yeah, thank you very much. I, I just Googled that right away, so I have that to, to check out. Um, and just to, just to clarify the tail end here, uh, the reason why I'm doing this is not just to generate other questions, which could also be interesting if you just like thinking to think. That's, that's fun too, but I really have a purpose for this. I want to see uh, when someone believes something, what that belief implies, what it assumes, Uh, And how that affects its functionality as it propagates forward through these present moments and how that affects themselves and others, you know, I mean, I want to see that, I want to kind of get a feel for the dynamics of it, what it's, what it's drawing from its roots and what it's growing.
2: I missed the beginning of the conversation, so I was trying to get a really quick catch-up without missing the conversation by doing a whole bunch of research, but I ended up having to do that anyway. And I've come to find some really helpful websites, so, uh, to, as to get a better understanding of what religious science is about. And actually, i found a religious science, a Joy of Life Centre, pretty close to my house, which is actually kind of exciting. So, I didn't realize there were chapters everywhere, and uh, learning more about it has been pretty awesome. And as has been just reconnecting with you guys because it's been such a long time and forgot about the like-mindedness and the loving nature of and respectful um, interactions that we have here. So I'm really glad that we've had a chance to have another conversation.
3: I certainly did. A lot out of this meeting and this discussion, and I, I enjoyed it thoroughly. And I would have liked uh, to have this kind of interaction more often with like-minded people. You know, it's something that I, I think is is just a great opportunity and and uh, helpful to me in my my own uh, quest for my uh, uh, spiritual development. And I'm I'm truly glad to have been invited and to be here. And thank you all. I just think this is. This has been
4: wonderful. I also wanna second what Carol said and appreciate it to be a part of the group and it's exciting to to hear a lot of a lot of voices and the commentary and a lot of the, the thinking of, of where we all are and it's exciting because um, you know it's the, the opportunities to have such a discussion like this are I feel few and far between. A challenge I've been dealing with a lot in my life Lately, has been uh, the inability to to connect with others on this kind of a level, and to participate in a discussion uh, with like-minded folks. Because I feel, you know, it's it can be challenging to meet uh, folks who are, you know, interested in these kind of things. I think the numbers are growing for sure, but it's always encouraging to uh, connect with the group. So tonight was really, really kind of exciting for me personally to be able to hear you guys and to uh just to connect with other folks to know folks are out there you know with with these interests in mind and the you know heart for discovering you know our, our own truth and, and a shared truth and you know creating a, a discussion and a forum for this kind of thing so so thank you as well
0: yeah, shared regard. We're all over the place. We're all just friends from across North America that really enjoy good conversation that involves the consciousness. And uh, personally, I can tell you that I'm, I'm very open to being wrong, although I live my life to try to be in accord with what I think is true and right. Uh, these conversations allow me to practice growing through things where I may have been doing or thinking about things in a in a way that I through the conversation see is flawed and so uh, I guess what I'm just trying to say is I love these dialogues or as Joshua once upon a time said I love the conversation and um, so I love you guys for being a part of it. it I mean really I really I'm feeling that as I'm saying it I love having you guys to talk with it's so nice
2: thanks for reminding me of how loving and accepting and Respectful, these dialogues can be. I've been sort of in a in a rough space lately, and this is exactly what I needed. So thank you all for being here.
7: So nice to hear your voice again, Celine. Well, I'm just glad to.
2: Was, oh, just good to hear your voices. It's been a long time.